0: Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. Today, my guest is Saren Nurse, Saren Annika Nurse, who is an entrepreneur in Brooklyn, New York. And our topic is going to be thriving as an entrepreneur in urban America. Welcome, Saren. Thanks for having me, Michelle. It's a pleasure. It's my pleasure to have you here. I know we've been, uh, over the years, been hanging out and doing lots of fun, hard-working projects yep. in our native yes, Diana, but, Yep. Today, we're just going to talk. <laughs> That's different, right? Sounds good, sounds good. Uh, so tell the audience about yourself what do you want them to know about you
1: okay so i am a practicing entrepreneur Mm -hmm. i'm an entrepreneur scholar Mm -hmm. i am a black woman and i am west indian so i think those are the major elements parts of parts of me i think that make me who i am okay Uh, so I have uh, been an entrepreneur for the past 20 years.
0: 20 years? Has it been that long? My goodness. 20
1: years, yeah. You, you would not think by looking at me, right? Oh, of we course not. This, you're, you're, we much, much <laughs> exactly,
0: you're much, much younger. Exactly,
1: much, much younger
0: than I am.
1: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's been close to 20 years that I've actually been in business. Um, and then, as you know, uh, about, about four years ago, Mm -hmm. I decided to uh, go back to school. So I'm actually doing a doctorate, uh, and my research area is in entrepreneurship, and I'm looking at small business survival. So that's my scholarship portion of it. Um, And I'm also very interested in in, uh, the
0: impact of race. Very, very timely topic. Yeah. Very, very timely, given everything that we're dealing with yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah so
0: um yeah. So, i'm actually looking at my research from a from a critical
1: race and race, uh, racial stratification lens so i'm looking at exactly the impact of racism on the survival of black businesses mm-hmm. so i'm treating race not just simply as a variable blackness is a variable mm-hmm. but looking exactly at how discrimination and systemic racism impact black businesses
0: I can't wait to read that, that should be fascinating. yeah,
1: yes, it's quite interesting, you know, and um, and I actually just finished doing a paper on the impact of the Paycheck Protection Program and the CARES Act on small businesses, which is quite interesting, you know, to actually delve into that information. Okay. But anyway, so yeah, so back to me, um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm an entrepreneurship scholar, I'm a race scholar, Uh, I'm a black woman, so that goes, you know, that says a lot, too, and, you know, I love my culture, as you know, Michelle, you know, we Mm -hmm. do a lot of stuff in Guyana, so I'm really, uh, I'm definitely committed to uh, the development of the country
0: and the region of my birth. Absolutely, and that's kind of, that's how we met, really, because we we, we went to the same high school, but since, you know, Saren is much, 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 much younger than (laughs) I (laughs) am, I didn't know her in school, <laughs> so, but we did meet because we have that, that common burning to really give back to our home homeland. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah. you yeah, yeah. you were you weren't always an, an entrepreneur. How, how describe your career tra- uh, trajectory?
1: So I guess I'll take it back to all the way back <laughs> to my leaving Guyana. So um, I left Guyana when I was seventeen. Mm-hmm. And I went to college in uh, in Florida, where I did a bachelor's in a marketing and international business. Mm-hmm. After that, I worked in retail as an associate buyer for two years. Mm-hmm. Then I went to business school at Georgetown. I did my MBA at Georgetown, mm-hmm. and from there, I was recruited by American Express to work in their marketing division. Okay. So I worked at American Express for about three years. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, I had never thought about owning my own business. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I think, you know, from the the culture that we come from, I had this thing about, you know, actually just, you know, progressing in our corporate career. Mm -hmm. And that would be my happiness.
0: Right. When
1: I actually got to American Express, and I was was quite young at that time. Mm -hmm. And I was actually one of the youngest executives. Um, So I was 24 years old, and for me, navigating the politics that came along, you know, with working corporate America was a bit daunting and a bit challenging for me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I think within probably a year, I was like, you know, there must be a different path. Mm -hmm. So I started looking at, you know, do I want to do my own business? And I thought, why not? Interestingly, at the time that I thought about doing this, I was actually working in a small business services division Mm
0: -hmm. at American Express. So you were interacting with small business owners. Yeah, I was. Mm
1: -hmm. And I was like, you know, I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. So initially I thought about doing a human spa. And I remember one day I was just having such a bad day at work and I was sitting with a friend of mine in Fort Greene Mm -hmm. for Green Brooklyn and we were looking around and we were saying you know there's so many dogs in this neighborhood and there are no pet stores in this neighborhood Mm -hmm. and I was like wouldn't this be a great business idea
0: Uh
1: and most people know me who know me know I am a fan of a business
0: plan. I love writing a business plan. That, that that's a good trait to have. Right, as, as an Lots of entrepreneurs don't like, you know, working on their plan. So that's a good thing. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I so I sat down and I wrote this business plan. I did research and I was like, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. And when when I was compl- when I completed the business plan, it was around. It was a few months before. 9-11 mm. and at that time my organization was having all this change we were going through a reorg
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i got displaced from my job which was such a, a blessing in, in disguise blessing
0: in disguise yeah it definitely
1: was so i took a package mm-hmm. and within two weeks i was at dog grooming school wow <laughs> i was at dog grooming school Mm-hmm. It was never my intention to actually be a dog groomer. But I wanted to make sure if I was opening up a pet grooming business or anything to do with pet grooming, I knew exactly what to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm so thankful I have done that because I have ended up being a groomer for the past, what, 10, 15 years.
0: Right,
1: right. So it was, you know, it's been a, it's quite interesting.
0: Yeah, and you never look back. You left corporate America and never look back.
1: You know, I, I I can't, I mean, to be honest, I mean, there have been times, and I'm sure we can all relate to this, when we were like, we're so stressed in our jobs,
0: mm-hmm. that
1: we think we're thinking the grass may be greener on the other side.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: there are times, you know, when I'm stressed in business, I'm like, you know, I don't have paid vacation. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice? Right, right, right. But that thought is actually fleeting, because, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, but then, <laughs> There are all this, there's so many other things I love about being in business. I don't think I would, I could give it up that easily.
0: So what, what, is, what are some of those things that you love about being in business?
1: I think the flexibility, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of my schedule. right? Um, and be, the ability to be creative
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not to, if I have an idea tomorrow about my business, I can go and execute it right away. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go and ask anyone to get permission I don't have to see if, if it's within the budget of a corporation. Mm-hmm. I figure out how I'm coming up with the money to do it, and I do
0: it. And you just do it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're in Brooklyn, New York, mm-hmm. um, an, an area that is just getting, in terms of the um, cities in New York, it's getting to be very popular. Lots of people are moving there. So what's it like being a black woman business owner in Brooklyn? What's the climate like? Is it supportive? Are there others that look like you in business? What is that climate like?
1: So, I mean, as you know, Brooklyn is not homogeneous in terms of the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. There's so much diversity in neighborhoods. And the neighborhood that I am in, in Fort Greene, is gentrified, so when I look at the businesses that have been there uh, over the past 20 years of the businesses that were there when I opened up in the early 2000s, I am one of two remaining Black women owned businesses. Wow. Yeah. There have been a few other Black women who've opened up business in the past few years. But in terms of the survival, mm-hmm. the long-term survival. It's been me and another woman who owns a spa in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Brooklyn, many neighborhoods in Brooklyn have become gentrified. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And Brooklyn and New York City are expensive to operate in as a small business owner. Oh, Oh, yes. You know, you're dealing with, you know, escalating rents, landlords who are trying to have you pay their property taxes. Mm. You're dealing with, you know, the city finding you for just any little thing. It actually becomes quite expensive to actually operate in Brooklyn. Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. And I know. I think you know there was a study done. uh, I think a couple years ago that found that uh, New York in New York City, there's about a thirty percent decline in black-owned businesses. Wow. While black-owned businesses have been increasing other places there's actually been declining in New York City.
0: Hmm. So that, that that may mean that the black women or, or black businesses are um, growing, but just not growing in New York, because- Not in means, New York, exactly. Because it's so expensive to operate. Exactly,
1: but, and then there are also statistics that show that actually the black women are leading the charge in terms of business ownership
0: mm-hmm. because
1: of all demographics. Interesting. We're actually getting into entrepreneurship the most, mm-hmm. but the interesting thing with that is that we have the lowest the lowest rates of survival mm-hmm. and the lowest annual revenues. So whereas white women, their businesses, their small businesses have, I think, is about two hundred twelve thousand dollars in revenue a year. The average black woman-owned business is twenty five thousand dollars in annual revenues wow. per year
0: so what do you think that, what could you attribute margin. that to Could is that the kind of businesses or just the fact I that think so. the, the, it, it's the kind of businesses that are being opened okay. yeah
1: because then you also have to remember that in terms of cap, financial capital to start a business mm-hmm. it takes money. you know it takes money to start a business
0: right, right. black women
1: have the lowest Rates the the lowest amount of wealth. Oh
0: yeah,
1: the typical black woman has zero wealth. The Mm -hmm. average black woman. Right. right. And we know that there's discrimination in lending, so it's difficult to get a bank loan or any sort of credit to open up a business.
0: Mm -hmm. So what this means, and most of us don't have don't have like a rich parent or exactly no in our family to just you know to give us that start that we may need exactly yeah.
1: exactly so what this means is that black women who are starting businesses are probably going into very highly competitive businesses that require lower investments So
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is why they're probably having such low performance in terms of you know um, of annual sales
0: and well, rates of survival so are there any supports available from the city or the state? Are there any special programming? Um, I'm sure that, that like the like state government or city government, I'm sure they're aware of what's going on with these businesses. Are there any um, supports available, any assistance available for these business owners?
1: So. If we talk about support, we do, we need, maybe we need to distinct between, uh, differentiate between pre-COVID and COVID. Oh, yeah. That's, because that's you know another, that. Uh, variable you know, yeah. there's, there's a different dynamic happening right now, even though it's pretty much the same probably for, for many for many Black businesses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But prior to COVID, if there were city and state programs, I didn't know about it. Wow. It's is an issue. Mm-hmm. I've been in business for 20 years. Right. The one time actually anyone from the city actually ever reached out to me, I remember it's was probably early 2000s, when mm-hmm. someone from small business services came to me and said, this is what they do. There was never any follow-up after that.
0: Okay.
1: Interesting. So there are maybe programs out there. I don't know about them, which is a problem because then that means there's an information access gap.
0: Right, right, right. So, what has COVID meant for your business? Like, what what changes have you experienced uh, as a result of COVID?
1: We're oh, just start with that, Michelle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so
1: when uh, COVID first hit, um, I saw a substantial decline in business. Mm-hmm. My business model is, uh, is based up I have a few different types of services. Mm-hmm. So I do doggy daycare, I do overnight boarding, I do dog walking, and I do pet grooming. Mm-hmm. Immediately, I saw a decline in doggy daycare and overnight boarding. Because
0: no one was going People anywhere. Were,
1: right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. People were home with their dogs, they didn't need doggy daycare.
0: Mm-hmm. People, nobody was traveling,
1: so they didn't need boarding.
0: Right.
1: And then I saw, and then people were, you know, at that point, it was like in the middle of March, people were so anxious that Mm -hmm. they weren't having their pets groomed either. Right. So I pretty much, you know, when the city, you know, put in place the stay-at-home orders, I was home for almost, gosh, probably about two months. Wow. Within those two months, I applied for a PPP loan. A Paycheck Protection Program loan. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to get a loan in the first set of funding, the first round. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, the reason I was is because I have a really good relationship with my banker.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. the bankers were and calling people, right? Calling so their customers. Yeah. They were, cu- they were calling their, their good customers.
0: Mm-hmm. So I had my
1: banker's number in my phone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was hearing all these horror stories about people, you know, businesses not, you know, not getting funding. So I kept calling her and it took a while for my bank's, uh, bank to have the application online. Then mm-hmm. she called back and she said, go, go right now. The application is available.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It took me three days to actually get the funding. So I had a very smooth process. Wow, But then I also had all the information I needed to actually complete the application.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, because, you know, I use a payroll company, I have payroll expenses. So mine was a pretty straightforward application form, Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm.
1: which is different for a lot of black businesses because many, many of them tend to be sole proprietors who do not have payroll, who don't have that
0: documentation. So have you been hearing, um, has the experiences uh, have the experiences of the people you know been different the other business owners you know black or definitely, white How is was that
1: been? Oh definitely definitely I am um, because so once uh, since I was home for two months I volunteered with an organization called Flatbush Thrives which was helping businesses in Flatbush to get that information about the loans about PPP and about the idle loans Okay. So I interacted with a couple of uh, businesses, and they had no clue. They had no information. They wow. didn't know where to go. Wow. So again, it's also about information
0: access. Yeah, in a big, dense city like New York, it's, it's like, how do you, how do you reach folks? That's got to be a major challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And we had, and even you know, the organization I was working with, we had a really
1: hard time actually getting in contact with those businesses. Because remember, you know, they were they were shut down. Right. So how do you find them? So that was quite challenging.
0: Okay.
1: But you know, it was like you know, it, through through networking we found we found some of those businesses, I and mean, we were able we were able to encourage them to actually go and apply for for you know for these programs.
0: Wow. Yeah. So. so um, I was, but
1: I was lucky enough, you know, to, I, I got both a PPP loan and I got an, an IDLE loan and an IDLE grant.
0: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, so
1: I, yeah, I'm
0: really happy. I was very fortunate for that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good to hear that, it, that, it, yeah. that it's actually working for people who really need it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, but the thing with the Paycheck Protection Program alone was that when I got a, I didn't use it for a while because, you know, there were all these, you know, you you weren't quite sure.
0: Yeah, the rules were changing a lot. The rules were
1: changing, exactly. Mm -hmm. And they required you to use like 60% of it on on payroll. Right. At a time when my business was shut down, I wasn't quite sure I'd be able to spend the majority of the loan by the end of June for it to Mm -hmm. be forgiven. Okay. And if you didn't spend it by the end of June at that time, it had to be repaid within two years,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is an aggressive time period for a business
0: right. for a
1: business loan,
0: mm-hmm. especially when
1: we don't even know what the future holds in terms I of like.
0: Sales. So you didn't know when you were going to be able to open back up. Exactly, yeah, exactly.
1: Huh. But thankfully, you know that time frame has been extended. Now we have until the end of December to retain and to retain employees.
0: So have you opened back up now and how, how are things? Yeah.
1: The months I was at home, um, I was so paranoid. I mean, I think like a lot of us were, you know, in terms of going out because you know, there was, you know, the rates of infection in New York were so high. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yet I had lots of customers calling for their dogs to be groomed. Interesting. Yeah. It was, and it was so interesting. And I had to keep saying, no, we're closed. We're closed. And we finally opened back up in May. Mm -hmm. Now, in March, when I could have opened back up, because uh, pet care Mm -hmm. was considered to be an an essential service by the the city. Okay. It was allowed to be opened up.
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: it was just my fear of actually going back to work Mm
0: -hmm. and having my
1: employees go back to work. Right, Right. But I opened back up in May. And I have been so swamped with grooming. It's unbelievable. Wow. Doggy daycare, boarding, that's a separate thing. That's been, that's been so,
0: so slow.
1: People are still at home. People
0: They're still are not traveling. They want their dogs to look good still. Right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> thing <Interesting> dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> So what do businesses like yours need to thrive? It's like when you think about everything that you have gone through pre-COVID, post-COVID, you know, not post-COVID still here, pre-COVID and during COVID, what do businesses like yours need to thrive? It's like, what do you need? To really you know, out. you always need financial capital. Mm-hmm. Ask
1: any business owner and it's financial capital. Access to capital, yeah. Exactly. The question is that how do you get that? Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a couple of things. And I think, you know, what this showed me, and, you know, during COVID also showed me, is that social capital is so important. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: So yeah. the networks that we have,
0: mm-hmm. our
1: relationships that we have with our bankers, Mm-hmm. That is so crucial for a business.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. our know, our relationships with our landlords. Right.
1: I was lucky to have a good landlord who was reasonable with me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and who understood what I was going through. Right,
0: right.
1: I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. I think on top of that, we need small business policy. hmm we need help with rents in brooklyn new york city Mm -hmm. the rents are way too high it's so hard to operate a business with the way the rents are Wow. Wow! and i know there has been discussion about having some sort of commercial rent control and i think that is necessary
0: so who fights for those policies like what what organizations are out there that are doing that there
1: are a few of them but you know but it's like you know lobbying your public you know lobbying you know your yeah your, your elected officials really mm-hmm. you know having them fight for you
0: but it sounds like they need someone on the ground really mobilizing in educating and then mobilizing business owners you know on on how to well, do that yeah, no, but there, there have been a couple of policymakers I know, um,
1: and politicians who have actually been fighting for this. So, I mean, this is a recognized issue in New York mm-hmm. City. This is one of the top issues in New York City. This is one of the top issues that's been looked at by right. politicians in New York City. The fact is that, you know, small businesses are so important to the city and we are really struggling right. because of these rents in New York City. Yeah. And because of these rents, you have these... So many vacancies in the cities, mm. which also impact us because, you know, you know when you're on a block with all the businesses, that really helps in terms of your business. Traffic, that brings right. more traffic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when you have all these vacant storefronts. It's not a good
0: look and just a help in terms of bringing traffic to your block. Very good point. Very good, Re- regardless of what type of businesses it is. Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly.
0: It's having that community there that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So you mentioned um, access to capital. I know there, and it could be in certain sectors only, there are venture capitalists that, you know, help entrepreneurs to get started um is that common is, is that are, are venture capitalists accessible by uh, businesses led by people of color from what you've seen
1: so i think um if you look at the studies i mean black you know people of color uh, black business owners have a really hard time mm-hmm. accessing vc funds right and again you know it goes back to the social capital yeah Who do you know? And the question now: Who do you know who's a VC? Right,
0: right.
1: You know, if you look at all their demographics, you know, probably, you know, as a white business owner, as a white white entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. the person you went to college with, exactly, their father, their brother, is a VC. We don't tend to have those types of networks.
0: Yeah,
1: it's a lot harder for us. Mm Hmm. So one of the things I always talk about in terms of business and survival is social capital, the networks that you have.
0: Interesting. It, it, it all comes down to who you know and exactly who, Exactly. Who knows you and would trust you yeah. pretty much. That's what it comes down to. So what exactly. do you wish you what do you wish? What do you know now that you wish you knew 20 years ago when you were starting out? <sighs> Well, when I was starting out, what do I wish I knew
1: then? I think I think I didn't have the confidence. I, I mean, of course. I mean, you know, it takes a while to get confidence. Right. And I think I put a lot in terms of expenses, in terms of capital, mm-hmm. that I didn't need to mm-hmm. in my first couple of stores. Okay. Because when I look back on what I spent. I am like, why did I spend that much? Mm, Interesting. You know, so I think really, you know, it's like, I think I went above and beyond because I didn't have the confidence in what I was doing. Mm. And I think, you know, now that I know, I mean, I can open up a store, a store with a fraction of what I used when I first opened up.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: So I think, you know, in terms of learning and how to actually utilize the best way
0: to utilize capital mm. i think that's what i've learned over the years interesting interesting so now you're so t- so kind of give some specifics about your business what's the name of your business so my business is kiki's pet spa
1: boutique it was named after my childhood dog kiki oh okay yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah and it's located so, um, where in
1: brooklyn and we're located in brooklyn and fort Greene at three ninety decalb avenue between okay. vanderbilt and claremont avenues
0: awesome and I, like i said we
1: do uh, we do pet grooming doggy daycare boarding dog walking
0: okay all your yeah your doggy care services awesome yeah yeah you've been in business a long time and you know Times have been rough especially with covid what gives you hope it's like <laughs> what what makes you get up every day and you know continue at it and dealing with how many employees do you have I have eight employees eight employees you've got eight employees and you know I, I know usually management is always the, the hardest part of when you when you have a lot of employees <laughs> so what gives you hope to continue I think. Uh...
1: I am motivated by entrepreneurship and self-employment as a path for independence
0: mm-hmm.
1: and for economic empowerment for people of color. Good, good. And good. so what this means for me mm-hmm. is that I think, as you know, I'm, tr- I'm transitioning out of business. I'm trying to go, go into academia. Right and i actually want to pass on my business to one of my employees who's been with me for a very long time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she's also a woman a woman of color oh, so when i get up every day i'm not just working for myself but i'm working for on a business that she can take over
0: awesome. so i think
1: that's what drives me
0: good 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 and, and so she can carry on your legacy that's awesome. exactly exactly awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Saren. This has really been an encouraging and enlightening conversation. And I can't wait to, you know, to read your dissertation (laughs) and all the great research I know you're going to do. So thank Thank you you so so much, much, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Yes. It was my pleasure having you and take care. Thank you to Brooklyn based business owner and scholar, Saren Nurse. It was a pleasure learning more about your entrepreneurship journey. This has been another episode of Fostering Solutions with Dr. Michelle Foster. Until next time, be blessed.